Well, we're in a series called Living to the Praise of His Glory, and this talk is called You've Got This. And what I wanted to emphasize is, once again, is that what we're talking about here is not that you haven't been living for the praise of His glory, and we want you to start. It's that you already have been living for His glory, and we want you to be strengthened. God wants you to be strengthened. He that has will be given more. And uh, the promise is for us to be strengthened in this beautiful gift that he's given us of getting to live for the praise of his glory. So you've got this. And my first point is you've got this because God has been uniquely preparing you to get this. And Mariah's going to be baptized at the end of this talk today. Right, Mariah? Yeah. Plus, whoever else wants to be baptized. So, what does work have to do with living for the praise of his glory? Well, God has a good work ethic. You know that? He enjoys work. Always has. He worked six days with his wonderful creation when he created everything. And then he took a day off. But he enjoys work. And he made us in his image. And there's something missing in our lives if we don't have meaningful work in our lives as well as meaningful rest. And God's design for us in our work is for it not just to be the eight hours a day when we go to our job or whatever that might be, but that we think in terms of recognizing that he has has designed for us from eternity past, billions and billions of years ago, a special set of works that he has designed for us for today. And we've mentioned this last couple Sundays. Is that I told my grandson, Luke, when I was putting sunblock on him, that the sun was, when we were going swimming, that the sun has gone 93 million miles to try to get him burned. And we are stopping it just in time. And God has sent good works for us to do. And his design for us is not to stop them, but to enter into them and fully indulge them. And what that does for us, what it does for us is whether the work seems menial and our work in our jobs is where we're supposed to, uh, to work for him, for his glory, the Bible says. But any work that we do is designed to be for unto him. And if it seems menial, it's not because it's sent from heaven. And if it seems miraculous, and if it is miraculous, it's sent from heaven. And so no matter if it's, I think the, the uh, prototype verse for me, the paradigm verse for me is, in Acts where it says that Jesus Christ was anointed of the Holy Spirit. Do you believe in that? Jesus was anointed of the Holy Spirit. He went around doing good. That's just basically living a lifestyle of random goodness wherever you can. And in that context of living a life of goodness, it says that he was anointed of the Holy Spirit, went around doing good, and he healed those who were oppressed of the devil. That's the miraculous stuff. So in order to do the miraculous stuff, there's two prerequisites. We need to be filled with the Spirit. 
And we need to be, we need to be going around doing good. We need to have an attitude, a lifestyle of recognizing that every time we do anything good, that good was sent from heaven from billions of years ago, and God has been excited and looking forward to this very moment when it's gifted to you to release it. And it brings heaven fully into the most meaningful little good work that you might do. Heaven is fully invading and infusing um, with absolute overflowing power and blessing and attention from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the most meaningful act of goodness. I was thinking about this the other day. I've been thinking about this for... I've been wanting to preach this for so long, and that's why I've been preaching. I've mentioned this in the last three or four sermons. But it was just a revelation to me that just brought me such joy and such life. I was uh, on a prayer walk by myself this time in our neighborhood, and there was just a... You know, there's some garbage there, you know, on the street. And, and I thought to myself... Well, I don't have to pick that up. It's not mine. But I thought, you know what? I think this is, this is one of the goodness things I'm supposed to do. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, maybe someone will see it. And then they'll ask me, why did you do that? That's such a nice, good thing to do. <laughs> and I looked around and nobody was out. But me. <laughs> so instead of, <laughs> instead of waiting for someone to come out, I just picked it up and put it in a nearby garbage can that was on the street. Why? Because I'm particularly good? No, because I wanted heaven to fill me in a fresh way. We are so, so paranoid about doing good works because we don't want to be in the category of doing good works to earn God's favor. And the word says, we're about to read it in just a moment, that we are not saved by our works. Get over it. We're not saved by them. Move on. We are created for good works, though. Not saved by them, but created for them. So a lifestyle of good works sent from heaven from billions of years ago fills our life today and with the cool, great things that we all celebrate together or the most, meaning, meaning, uh, most uh, uh, menial things, like Jesus said, giving a kid a cup of cold water even, is filled with the presence of heaven. And gives meaning for the moment. There's not a moment in your, in your waking hour or even in your sleeping hours where God is not designing you to be flooded with his, his, himself. All of life has meaning. We have purpose. It is to fulfill the sequence of good works that God has for us today. We're created for them. Amen. So you would like a scripture for that, I suspect. Let's give you one. Ephesians 2 verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Everybody say, which God prepared beforehand. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God and you are partnering with your good works for today. You know, sometimes we miss the forest for the trees. We're focusing on the 
on what God has called us to do, but do you know that there's a mighty synergism of chemistry of the church at work down through the ages in a together dynamic that is, that is actually world-changing? Because of our work together, there's an atheist named Tom Holland, and he has a quote. Do we have that quote? We don't have that quote. I sent you that quote. I blame myself. Let me tell you what he said. I'll just paraphrase it. Can you live with that today? Forgive my weakness, like Jesus did earlier. Uh, Tom Holland is an atheist and, a, and an author and a historian. And uh, it's rather a lengthy quote. It's probably better that I paraphrase it anyway. He basically wrote that in his observation of church history, the world has been very, very evil. Children have been abused throughout history. And women have been raped. Men's sexual um, uh, promiscuity has run rampant in cultures down through the ages. And he said, he said, I have to admit I'm an atheist. But there's one, one thing that, that changed Western culture, that turned things around, that arrested men in their uncontrolled sexual um, um, abuse. Children were killed just because they were girls instead of boys. Horrible. He said, there's one thing that's changed, that changed Western culture. That's the Christian movement. As an atheist, he admitted that. And I want to tell you why. That's the forest at work. It's because the synergism and chemistry of the church at work down through the ages, we change things. And if we don't retreat into our, into our little cells, we meet on Sundays, we meet on Saturday nights, we meet in small groups in order to worship, connect, be equipped, get refilled for ministry. But the church, the church at its best is on Monday morning. Tuesday morning, Wednesday afternoon. That's the church at its best. That's what this is about, equipping us for that. And together with the church globally, we are changing things. And we are believing for that. So don't ever yield to the notion that our our future has to do with retreating into a fortress mentality and hanging on until Jesus comes. We're, we're designed by God to occupy. Militantly. Kindly. Filled with the Spirit. Changing things. When we each do our part as the Spirit leads us. Each do our role as the Spirit leads us. Together, there is such a power that is released to the earth that it breaks the backbone of Satan's intentions for the planet and for the people of the planet that he hates. It breaks the backbone. I know what it's like to have a broken back. And I want to tell you, it makes me feel good that we are breaking Satan's backbone. Okay, some of the variety, if I can share with you a few expressions and of variety. Pat Daly with his astronomy. 
What a beautiful gift that is to people that have been able to enjoy his explanations of the stars. Tina JB led worship today, but she also holds a sign up at Planned Parenthood talking about a baby's heartbeat. That's a good work. Different than Pat's astronomy. Nathan Peterson is an expert. He's a genius at fixing sound stuff that's broken. Not out front, but he has rescued us so many times. As well as our other sound people. Shirley Chafee leads three Bible studies at her retirement center every week. And she provides a spiritual snack through video for her grandchildren every night in the Word. Can you see the variety? And I could go on and on and on with, with what I know about. And I'm not sharing these because they're the top four. And I'm just saying that's just random. They pick some and just to express the wonderful variety how God leads people for good works. Point two. You've, out of three, you've got this, you've got this because you have established good personal boundaries. This is something that God's not going to do. This is something that he's going to give you the strength to do, but you've got to do it. In your life in God, you've got to have good boundaries. Let's read Ephesians 2 verse 8 once again. For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So God has created and prepared good works for you, but he's also preparing you for the good works. You are fully adequate for the good works that God has called you to do. He called Peter to walk on water, and Peter walked on water as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. You can do anything through Christ who strengthens you in the moment of your life. And you've got boundaries, and this is your boundary. These are your boundaries. I'm telling you, if you don't have boundaries, your good works can get messed up because the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever puts their trust in the Lord will be kept safe. To do the good works God's called you to do, the work he's doing in you, preparing you, takes courage. And you will be challenged, sometimes by family, sometimes by people in the world, sometimes by your own fears and thoughts. Jesus has given you the opportunity for a good boundary, and it is imperative, it is absolutely incumbent upon us to embrace the boundary he's given us. And the boundary he's given us is is himself, Jesus. These this preparation of good works that he's, that he's working in us is where? It is in Christ Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, cocoon of Jesus. Don't let anyone violate the presence of Jesus and influence you. I love what, uh, I love what Graham Cook He put it this way, we live for an audience of one where the praises at our right hand and the criticisms at our left mean nothing, just Jesus.
We live for Him. We live to please Him. I want to tell you, folks, that's freedom. When we die to the fear of man and the praise of man, and we, are, we, are, we experience the reality that Jesus is the only one that matters supremely, Man, that is liberating. That is freeing. That releases you into the humanity that you were designed for. That is to be fully human, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, doing the good works He's designed for you to do from eternity past, with the boundaries that protect you from the criticisms and the praises of other people, which are which are paralyzing to the call of God on you and on me for what God has destined us to do in our present tense reality. We are his poema. It's Greek word poema is where we get the word poem. We are his masterpiece. My wife does masterpieces. Painting. I better not mess with them. I better not say, here, let me fix that. A little bit of red here would work. Don't let anyone mess with you. You you are God's masterpiece in Jesus Christ. Protect yourself. Have the boundaries up. Jesus will help you. Have courage, have courage to not fear people, their criticism or their praise. Get after his call in your life. You can do it. You're adequate. He's prepared you for the good work. You can do it. You've got this. You're his artistic masterpiece. Francis of Assisi, born in in, uh, um, Italy in the early 13th century, wealthy home, was called of God to give up all of his wealth. His dad was so mad. People criticized him. He just felt called of God to... He wanted churches to be restored. Everybody had backslid and churches were all in a mess. Not just people, but the buildings. And he just personally went out and started fixing churches and more people were added and he ended up preaching the gospel and all heaven broke loose through his ministry because he didn't, he didn't, he was not controlled, let his dad control him. Mariah Woodworth Edder, I admire her so much. She was in the vanguard of healing and soul winning and spirit filled ministry before the Azusa Street Revival even hit where the outpouring of the Spirit came. Her suffering in the loss of five out of her six children before they turned eight years old made heaven's reality her supreme affection. And out of that, the voice of God spoke, said, Mariah, I've called you to preach. And she said, no, in my denomination where I go to church, they won't let me preach. My husband is currently resistant later on. He Went along with it, of course, but uh, I just can't do it. I can't do it. She did that for years, and then finally, you know, 
at a certain point, you get so uncomfortable disobeying God, you just have to go to Nineveh like, no, like, no, like Jonah did. So she just started preaching, whoever would listen. And people started getting saved. And she started getting invitations to churches. And she even went to uh, uh, Springfield, Missouri. And they were going to have meetings there. And she, she had uh, started to have some meetings. And there was a pastor's coalition there that was really angry with her, called her a fraud. She couldn't get one other pastor in town to support her and, uh, and to stand up for her because they all were against her. And they even had a meeting where they were going to diss her, criticize her, say she was a fraud. And her, her response to the whole thing was at, at this meeting. She went to it. And there, was, there was hundreds and hundreds of people there. She said, she just said, would you stand up if you, have, have, have you, if you are one of the ones that have come to Jesus Christ through my preaching? And 200 people stood up. And then she said, sit down. Would you please stand up if you, have, if, you have a, if you have been healed physically in any of my meetings? 50 people stood up. What the, the pastor's coalition, what could they do with that? She told her testimony about losing her kids and how her heart was in heaven and how she just had to do what Jesus told her to do. You see, she was living for an audience of one. Her heart was already in heaven because of her great loss. Jesus is in heaven, and she experienced Jesus profoundly in the moment and could not keep still about it. This has an application I want to add, and that's this application. Let's respect the boundaries of each other. In church life, and in marriages, let's respect the Jesus boundaries. I mustn't mess with my wife's masterpiece, and I mustn't mess with God's masterpiece, who is my wife. If I think she needs fixing, it's none of my business try to fix her, control her, manipulate her, or shame her into my image. Because she is God's masterpiece, and I better not touch God's masterpiece and try to fix it with my red paint. In marriage, it's liberating to a marriage to not have to fix each other, to control, to shame, to manipulate. In church life, it's the same thing. The most liberating gift we can give for each other is to see each other after the spirit of Jesus Christ and honor who the saint is in the Lord Jesus. Fully respect that. Thirdly and lastly, you've got this because it is God who's been at work creatively preparing you. All the stuff that's happened in your life and you find yourself... As you go around just randomly doing good, you find yourself gravitating towards a certain calling, a certain ministry focus, a certain area that you especially want to focus on. Mine has been soul winning, one of them. I had a compliment from someone on the street the other day. I want to tell you what the compliment was. 
This was the compliment. I don't want to hear it, old man. I walked out away from that with my heart overflowing with gratitude and happiness. Here's why. I started doing evangelism when I was 16 years old. My math is right. That's 56 years ago. No, 52 years ago. (laughs) 52 years ago. Yeah, 52 years ago. And when he said that, I now have as an evangelist old man status. (laughs) I started when I was 16 and I've kept going day after day, week after week, relentlessly winning souls, not primarily because I care about them, but because Jesus does. And when I open my mouth, God opens his mouth and talks to them and says, Lazarus, come forth. Not to all of them, but enough to make it worth it. And I've been doing it since I was a teenager. Now I'm an old man. Hallelujah. What a compliment. It's the best compliment I think I've ever had. Okay. Eight ways that God prepares us. Relax. I know the difference between eight points and and a list of eight things. One, God prepares us by scripture. We absorb ourselves and saturate ourselves with the apostolic teaching of the New Testament. We love it. We let it inform our lives. Two, personal signs and wonders. You can identify them in your own life. Three, People we respect say things. I remember my playing, uh, practicing piano at my grandma's house when I was about nine and overhearing my dad telling my grandma and my grandma agreeing, I think Danny is called to be a preacher. The words of parents have huge impact in affirming and in, and in blessing what God's already speaking to your heart at whatever age that is. Peace, the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts and the lack of peace. Woe to me if I don't. Dreams. Dreams in the night, God can use them. Prophetic words from people who don't know you. Suffering. God works everything after the counsel of his own will. The Pharisees hated Jesus. They were so determined to kill him. The Romans were glad to cooperate and participate in it. God worked it after the counsel of his will to redeem you and me and every other blood-bought elect person. He works everything after the counsel of his own will. Everything that's ever happened to you in your life, God didn't cause it, but he uses it to bring you to your present moment to make you adequate for the good works he's called you to do today. Here's a... Here's a real dramatic R-rated for violence motorcycle crash. 
I wanted to share with you. I'm on the motorcycle. I'm behind the car in the, the red car. That was a bad day. I want to tell you something. <clears throat> From the suffering I experienced, I got a clarifying of my twofold mission in life. Strengthening you in the things of God. And dec- heralding to the world the gospel so that God can say, Lazarus, come forth. Clarified. I feel like my evangelism could have ended on that day. But I feel it gave me another chance. Now I'm in turbo mood. (laughs) I have greater empathy for suffering. And I praise everybody that I see alleviating suffering in any way that you can. I savor the good. I walk by and my prayer walks and I see a cool looking porch and I just look up to Jesus and I say, oh, it's such a cool porch you gave those guys. I conclude with number eight, spontaneous triggers help prepare us for the ministry of today. A spontaneous moment where the dancing hand of God walks across your life and you, des- you decide to not even think about whether you should do it or not. You just do it because the spirit of God is there. It triggers another set of circumstances, which triggers another set of circumstances, which triggers another set of circumstances that are all beautiful. And it all starts with a willingness to humbly be alert. And just if the dancing hand of God walks across your life in the spirit, you just say yes in the moment. And wonderful things happen. I could say lots of examples, but my time is up. And I just want to share one I've shared before here, but I love the story, so... If you don't like me sharing the same story, get over it. <laughs> story of Tua Day McCabe. He's a, in the late 1800s, somewhere out in Oregon. He was a leader of the Methodist uh, movement, the evangelical. Uh, a lot of Methodist churches now are liberal theology, but this was a time when the, the gospel was just fully proclaimed through the Methodist movement. McCabe, C.C. McCabe was on a train somewhere out in the Pacific Northwest in the 1880s. And he, they stopped and he got a newspaper and the, he saw that uh, the Free Thinkers Association of America was meeting in, in their convention in Chicago and, and the great ag, uh, famous agnostic lecturer, Robert G. Ingersoll, was... Uh, had recently, in that convention, gave a lecture in which he essentially said, the Christian, the, the Christian religion and, and the Christian church is dying throughout America, and largely that's a good thing. 
And C.C. McCabe spontaneously went in and, had, and sent a telegraph to Robert G. Ingersoll. And it said, Dear Bob, Methodist Church in recent years has been planting in the USA one church every single day. And we propose to make it two. Signed, C.C. McCabe. P.S. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Well, that triggered some lectures between C.C. McCabe and Robert G. Ingersoll, some debates in which C.C. McCabe just rocked it. And then that triggered a song that was sung in Methodist churches and camp meetings throughout the USA. It went something like this. The infidels, a motley band, in council met and said, the church is dying throughout the land and soon they'll all be dead. When suddenly the message came that caught them with dismay. All hail the power of Jesus' name. We're building to a day. (laughs) We're building to a day, dear Bob. We're building to a day. All hail the power of Jesus' name. We're building to a day. (laughs) A few generations later, the, the famous agnostic Robert G. Ingersoll's great-grandson came to Christ. And at his baptism, he was baptized with the pastor's son of the church that his family was attending. So there's two people being baptized, the pastor's son and Robert G. Ingersoll's great-grandson. Two. Two more for heaven. Can you guess what song they sang? <laughs> the infidels, a motley band in council met and said, the church is dying throughout the land and soon they'll all be dead. When suddenly the message came that caught them with dismay. All hail the power of Jesus' name. We're building to a day. We're building to a day, dear Bob. We're building to a day. All hail the power of Jesus' name. We're building to a day. I want you to feel the optimism of that revival because that is consistent with the optimism of the New Testament in the face of current news, disappointments with the USA and with the world and difficulties and your personal life journeys. We're reminded that Jesus Christ said, My peace I give to you. In this world, you will have tribulations. But what? Be of good cheer. Let's Let's surf this wave of expectation and optimism because we're part of a kingdom that is unstoppable. They can build up sandcastles to stop the tide from coming in, but it's not going to work. The kingdom of God is coming. And we're part of a movement that is that is a Jesus movement that is completely and fully unstoppable. And that should fill our hearts with gratitude, purpose, and and determination that we're going to do our part to see it fully realized. Can we do that? Well, let's... I wonder if we have two people that want to be baptized. That'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Let's have those two people come up here who want to be baptized.
So Stacy, you had a prophetic word come on up here earlier. La, la, la. Um, she was telling me that she was feeling a prophetic word up here, and she didn't say it. She said, what should I do with that? And I said, well, tell me. Always tell me. But so then she was telling me, and I said, this needs to be said today. So Dan's letting her say it right now. You can do it. Um, so as all of the women gathered up here this morning, um, I just really, really began to feel just the outpouring like we all were of the Holy Spirit and and just the move across the church. But more than anything, I felt that it was specifically dealing with the women, the women of faith. I kept hearing that, women of faith, women of faith, women of faith, that we all have it, but can we ever not have more? And, And when I saw us all sitting at the feet of Jesus, that that's where that in feeling comes that we have the power, the faith, the tenacity. I kept hearing tenacity over and over again, and I feel like that's what we need so, so much right now as moms, as grandmas, as friends, as leaders, that um, we just need the tenacity to come against the enemy and to thwart the things that are being brought daily to us. And I felt like there was a breaking for the things that are going on right now. The breaking of, of um, the attacks and the assignments, the ploys, the thwarting of plans that have been made. That there's a breaking and an impartation. And that we need women as we were here together, together this morning. That, that we need one another. We need one another Iron sharpens iron, the sweetness of a friend, and just the comfort of knowing that I'm not alone, because so often we feel that. So I just ask that the women, if they can just raise their hands, just raise your hands to heaven. All the women, all the women. And men, if there's a woman beside you, just lay your hands on them. And Father, I just ask for a sweet, sweet rush of Holy Spirit. That every curse that has been spoken is being broke right now. Every assignment is being burned up by the blood of Jesus. And that there's an infilling of the Holy Spirit. Testing, testing. Have you accepted Jesus in your heart? Yes. Um, I don't know if it's on. Yes. Yes. Why do you, what do you, what do you, why do you want to get baptized? Because I am no longer who I was in four months from now and I'm ready for a new beginning. Praise God. What's your name? 
Jason. Jason. Jason? Have you accepted Jesus into your heart, Jason? Yes, I have. Yeah. Why do you want to be baptized today? I'm ready for change. All right. That's a good motive. Does anybody else want to get baptized today? Don't worry about, don't, no limitations. Don't worry about if you don't have a change of clothes. You'll dry out in about five minutes outside. Anyone else? We're building two a day, dear Bob. But we can have more if you want. Let's uh, put that baptism declaration up. Okay, here we go. Let's stand up. Stretch out your hand towards these. Say this over them. Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Amen. So, Mariah, if you come over here. It's warm, not hot, but it's warm. And Mariah asks that Kelly baptize her. And the promise is that you are being you are being dunked into the death of Jesus. And when you come out of the water, you're come out of, coming out of the tomb on the first Easter Sunday morning in resurrection power. So go ahead and get in. And, and Acts chapter 2 says, you too will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're going to get totally blasted in a way that you will never forget. Go ahead and sit down, Mariah. You can sit down in the water. Beautiful. She's already experiencing the Holy Spirit very beautifully. my great pleasure to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Into the Lord Jesus Christ. Power. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Every cell in her body is on fire with the power of God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. You get it out on that side. And she's gonna she's a little bit drunk, so someone help her stagger out on that side and help her back to the dressing room, somebody, okay? Let's get out on this side because you're gonna slip on this floor over here. Let's get out on that side. Jason, come on up here. Okay. Yeah. So, Jason, it's really our honor 
to baptize you into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We baptize you right now into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you too will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Plug your nose. Go ahead. Dan. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. in the spirit you like that oh, I like that it's good we like the Holy Spirit around here don't we have another one let's come up on this side This is Chelsea. Chelsea, have you asked Jesus into your heart? Cool. That's pretty courageous of you to want to just come up spontaneously like this. That's the kind of spontaneous thing that will trigger more. Okay, what? Well, yeah. One second. Okay, Chelsea, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ. There it is. You feel the Holy Spirit? Yes. You like that? Yes. All right. That's crazy. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised from the dead, you will be saved. This is a confession as well. And if you declare your faith in Jesus before people, like Chelsea courageously did, he'll declare your name before all the angels of heaven. It's beautiful. Anybody else today? Anyone else want to come up and be baptized right now? Spontaneously just run up here if, that, if it's you. Anybody else? Okay, that's it. We love you. God loves you. Walk in power and joy today and all week. See you next time. We have a prayer ministry at the altar. We have a prayer ministry at the altar for healing and any miracle. Come on up for prayer if you want. And we also will have prophetic ministry starting in about five minutes. Personal prophetic ministry. So God bless you. Thank you.